Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we can just come worship you, Lord, and, and Lord, we can celebrate things that are important, Lord, in our lives, so we can stand before you and thank you for them. You are the, the originator of all that is good, and Lord, we celebrate the good things in our lives, Lord. We've mentioned family and, and mums particularly, but Lord, we want to give you thanks for every good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, we're told in your word. Lord, this morning, uh, for these next few minutes, Lord, may what's said be good. Uh, I pray that, Lord, you give us hearts to hear, Lord, not, not the words of a human being, but, Lord, that you would take those words, broken as they are, and that, Lord, you would enable every single one of us to be listening to your Holy Spirit and that your words would be what we hear. Father God, even if they're not what's said, may everything that happens now honour you, we pray. For the building up of your people, we bask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, it's Mothering Sunday, and uh, our man. Uh, there's not a lot I can say about it, really, is there? Um, but one thing I will say is about parenthood. I've been a parent now for 15 years, and, uh, and that's a long time to do anything. It's the longest job I've ever had. Um, I've been a son slightly longer, um, but I've been a father for a slightly shorter. 15 years I've been a, a father, and, uh, and at the beginning, I remember the beginning of the journey, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm pleased to report, 15 years in... I still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) So I hope that helps with younger ones. Um, It it gets easier. It does get easier, despite what people tell you. The teenage years could be worse. Um, They might get worse, but so far... uh, Let's not say that. No, no. (laughs) So so far, so good. But um, anyway, the law is good. But it used to make me smile when my two were very young. Um, Not that we don't smile now. But when they were particularly young, um, maybe sort of four or five years old, and they would hear a noise, um, they'd hear something downstairs, or they think they would hear a monster, or someone breaking in, anything like that, and they would always come into our bedroom. And they would want to sleep in our bed, which at the time I didn't appreciate the the pleasure and the privilege of that and having a child close all night long. And, um, but uh, I wouldn't want it now because they're ginormous now, aren't they, my two? But they would come in and sort of say, can I sleep with you? I've heard a noise. I think someone's downstairs or I find there's a monster under my bed. And it used to make me smile because I used to think to myself, if there was someone downstairs, I'm the last person you're going to need in a scenario like that. Because apart from anything else, I will be in the corner sobbing, asking for my own mother, and I would probably use you both as a human shield, but don't tell them I said that. Um, but it always used to make me smile, because actually, laying in between us like this, this is how children sleep, isn't it? They don't sleep a straight line. They sort of diagonally like that. So you've got one arm up with one nostril and then a foot somewhere off. Anyway, but they immediately sleep like that. Because in a stable, loving home, um, when you're loved correctly and appropriately, your mum and dad or your mum, whoever looks after you, make you feel safe as houses, don't they? Everything else can be falling apart or outside your house. When you're home, you feel safe because you know the people looking after you will do anything to keep you safe. And they would lay in bed between us like a starfish and they would just have the best night's sleep ever. I'd wake up cranky because I didn't get any sleep, me and Andrea, um, or we'd take it in turns sleeping somewhere else. But it reminds me that actually those early relationships with our families, when we attach to our parents, are really vital, aren't they? Because actually, when you're under the age of 18, you're safe and you grow and then you become ready to face the world on your own two feet a bit later on. I used to have a reoccurring dream that reminds me of how, reminded me when I was young of how much I appreciated my mum and didn't want her to go anywhere. I used to have a reoccurring dream when I was in primary school. Uh, you may have had the same one, where my mum would be at the top of the road, top of the street, I'd be at the back of the bottom of the street. She'd be a, about a few metres from the end, walking away from me, and I'd sort of chase after her like that a thousand miles an hour and just as I got towards her she'd turn the corner 
and I'd sprint around the corner, and then she'd be right at the top end of the other road. I'd never quite catch up with her. As a child, the thought of not having my mum, not having my, uh, my mum to look after me, uh, made me feel worried. And can you imagine growing up in a, in a situation where you don't have that person there, and that's a real feeling, and it's sadly true for many people. We've been looking at sort of contemporary issues on a Sunday morning, you may remember, the last two weeks. We've talked, about, talked a lot about our broken society. Last week we talked about who we trust in. We talked about the B word uh, at length, sort of. Um, we're not going to talk about that this morning, but this morning I want to talk about uh, the word attachment and those relationships we form, because as human beings we long to belong. And as human beings, those relationships we form early on in our lives, particularly early on, define us and they refine us and they anchor us so that, and they shape the sort of adults we'll be when we grow up. And you could argue that many of today's problems begin because the current adults whose lives aren't working out the way we might have hoped have not had a good start when they were young, haven't had the opportunity to form healthy bonds and relationships as children. You could argue that for a lot of what goes on in society, I think. Many psychologists uh, agree that the relationships we form early in life, known as attachments, uh, particularly with a parent or a primary caregiver, are essential as we grow and become adults. And I read this quote during the week, and I'll read it slowly. It says, The emotional bond that typically forms between infant and caregiver is the means by which the helpless infant gets primary needs met. This bond is the engine for subsequent social, emotional, and cognitive development thinking, influencing and shaping how they will respond to life's events, people, the development of personality, and sense of security. In other words, early relationships matter so much because they shape the kind of secure adult you'll be or not be, depending on what happens. And that's why we celebrate Mothering Sunday, even though we know it's not easy for everybody at church. That's why we celebrate Father's Day for the same reason. That's why we pray for our families and our children when they go out because we want them all to grow up into secure adults. Because family is the bedrock of society, we believe, as Christians. And we believe that when children are disconnected from those important, healthy relationships when they're young, they make and become broken adults. This week, you may well be aware, the church has broken into on Tuesday morning, Dean um, was slightly nervous as she walked into the church and saw glass everywhere. Although we haven't quite ruled Dean out, actually. Where were you? <laughs> no one can vouch for you coming in and not being burgled. Anyway, but Dean uh, discovered that the window smashed you. It's been boarded up. We're still waiting for Andrew's glass to come and replace that for us. But Jake Smith of Henham, his name is in the local paper, 23 years old, broke into our church. He's been caught. And isn't that good? It's good. Justice is an important thing to serve, and I'm pleased that justice will be done. However, many of the comments on Facebook this week are good. Catch a scumbag and throw away the key. I can't join in with that. Because at some point he was a little boy who something went wrong for. And I want his soul to be saved. And I want us to pray for Jake Smith, actually. In fact, I'm going to pray for Jake Smith right now. And so will you join me as we pray for him? Father God, we want to lift up this young guy, 23 years old. Lord, we pray for him. We pray for Jake. Lord, currently in custody. Lord, we, we, we don't want to undermine the damage he's caused, so we do pray for our shopkeepers and local businesses. We particularly pray for those shops, Lord, who have high rents and whose insurance will go up. We pray for them. We pray you protect their finances. Lord, make them feel safe. But Lord, we pray for this guy. We pray for his family situation. We pray for his, um, a change in him, Father God, that he'll be rehabilitated. 
Father, we ask for him, Lord, that he will be one of the ones that don't continue to go down, that he will come up and he will change. Father, we pray for whatever happened in his past, that he will find peace and forgiveness for it. And we thank you for him, and we pray your blessing on him. But Lord, we do it thanking you for justice and our police service and the wonderful work that they've done in this community this week. But Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But it's important, isn't it? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good for man, as in mankind, to be alone. And uh, it's not what God intended. God intends for us to be with other people, to attach to other human beings, to grow into healthy adults. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the Bible suggests uh, very clearly, in clear language, that those people that uh, go it alone, that don't attach to healthy relationships, are in a position of real sadness and in a dangerous, vulnerable state. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8 to 12, um, the writer says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless and miserable business. And then these wonderful words, two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then it says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In other words, when we don't form those attachments, those important healthy relationships... We like the guy going it alone, no one to protect, no one to share, no one to joy with. And when you don't have those important relationships, you become a broken adult. I watched a film with Mark Wahlberg. Um, I consider me and Mark Wahlberg to be uh, the same physically. Um, he's, uh, he's got a six-pack. I'm currently sporting a uh, one-pack. And, uh, and so, bless him, he spent as much time down the gym as I spent in restaurants. And, uh, and so, who's the happier? Anyway... That's a side point. And in the film Instant Family, you may have seen it, there's a, it's all about adopting children, and him and his wife adopt three kids. I won't ruin the, 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 uh, the point of the story. But there's one scene which really, I found really quite powerful. And they talk about the importance of relationships, and they say, get someone to stand in the middle, and everyone's got a bit of string. And they attach this one person via these little bits of string to all the people in the circle. This is your teacher. This one represents your social worker. This one represents your neighbours. This string represents your family. And every possible relationship that people need to be a healthy, happy, well-adjusted adults. And then she gets a pair of scissors and she just cuts them all off. And she says, until the... Sorry, you're right. Um, and so in the end, you've only got the one string with the adopted parents... And they just say, it's so important that you don't let them down because they've got no other attachment to anybody else. And I found that a really powerful scene. How many people feel disconnected? How many people lack those basic healthy relationships to grow and be healthy adults? We live in a very disconnected world, don't we? I, I occasionally have to take the train to London, very occasionally. Uh, I go to an event in London once or twice a year. And I, you can tell I don't go every day because I'm the happiest person on the train. I sit there like, isn't this wonderful? You're so lucky you get to do this every single day. And it was like... Rrr. Anyway. But what's the first thing people do when they sit on the train? As soon as their bottom hits the chair... I sit there like that. We're not talking. <laughs> we don't want to talk about my day, my weekend. Nothing like that the whole time. Everyone is so disconnected from each other. I won't have a go at mobile phones again, but everybody is so disconnected now. 
We don't even, when was the last time you phoned someone up and had a conversation on the phone when you just texted them instead? We don't even talk anymore. And this out, we're becoming more and more disconnected from each other and it is not healthy for our society. And actually when people are disconnected, they go looking for those connections in all the wrong places and we've said some of those things over the last two weeks, haven't we? But we crave that attachment. People have been craving it for years. It was interesting to me in the uh, mid-90s. Uh, you may remember, some of you may remember a, a show called Friends. Um, yeah, everyone? Yeah, good. Whenever I say this sort of thing in churches, I swear no one in church watches anything that the rest of the world watches. Anyway, everybody outside the church knows about the, the program Friends. If you don't know, I'll give you a rundown. They're essentially six strangers, well, two of them are brother and sister, uh, six strangers who form a family, essentially. They live together, they get married in the end, some of them, not all together. And uh, they become for each other what they're not. They don't, they become their family. And it became the most popular uh, comedy in the 90s. It's really interesting to me that in the late 80s, early 90s, as a kind of traditional family unit began to be picked apart in terms of society, as it began to break on a regular basis, families began to break up more and more and more. Shows like Friends sprang up out of nowhere with a very, very appealing message. Family are the new, sorry, friends are the new family. And people died desperately to have their sense of attachment with their friendships, sometimes to no avail. And it's interesting in our more disconnected world that the most popular show for children now is Friends. It's well out of date. It's still funny in places. And, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because people long to be attached to something. We've got generations of children in our society, haven't we, that are not receiving those basic relationships in those early years. And we fear for them. We fear for ourselves, but we fear for what sort of adults they will become. And some of them don't even reach adulthood because of it. So, what does the Bible say about all of this? We're looking at a contemporary issue. Well, if we were to flick back to the book of Genesis, I've already referred to this first. But in Genesis chapter 2, God's already made the world. He's made it perfect. And he's only made one human being at this stage, a man called Adam. You've obviously heard of him, I hope. Adam is there in the Garden of Eden. Everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. And as God looks at Adam, even though everything is good, he states this wonderfully universal truth that has been true from the first day of creation and will be true on the last day of creation. The Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. It is not good to be alone. People that spend hours on their own, months and months on their own, it is not good to be like that. We need to interact with other human beings. The Bible tells us loneliness, individualism is brokenness, leads to sadness, leads to pain, leads to terrible things, leads us to go looking in all the wrong places. But this verse goes on in verse 19. uh, We read of God's initial solution. And uh, and just to state this, God isn't getting it wrong with what I'm about to read. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I have visions of the biggest queue in human history of all sorts of antelopes and aardvarks and lions and him just going lion uh, badger. Yeah, that do. Uh, Going through. But every relationship, every possible connection wasn't the right one. And the message there, I believe, is we long for these attachments, but some attachments, even though if they're right in front of us, aren't the right ones. Some are inappropriate. Some aren't the most appropriate thing to attach to. Let me tell you a story about what happens when you attach to the wrong thing. 
This is, a, I'll read it. this is written by someone else, and this guy wrote, Several years ago, our family visited Niagara Falls. It was spring, and ice was rushing down the river. As I viewed the large blocks of ice flowing towards the falls, I could see that there were carcasses of dead fish embedded in the ice. Gulls, by the score, were riding down the river, feeding on the fish. As they came to the brink of the falls, their wings would go out and they would escape from the falls. I watched one gull, which seemed to delay and wondered when, and I wondered when it would leave the block of ice. It was engrossed in the carcass of a fish. This is gross, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, and when it finally came to the brink of the falls, out went its powerful wings, and the bird flapped and flapped and even lifted the ice out of the water briefly. And just as I thought it would escape, but it had delayed too long. Its claws had frozen to the ice, and the weight of the ice was so great, the gull plunged into the abyss. What a cheery story for a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> this is a, an animal this week and not a human being. But you attach to the wrong thing, and for a, a brief time it feels okay. But if it's an inappropriate attachment, it can drag you down, can't it? And how many people do we see attached to the wrong person or the wrong hobby or the wrong choice? And initially there's that sense of I've done the right thing and then comes the fruit of it much later. So Genesis reminds us that all these animals came past Adam, but they weren't the right attachment for him. He needed to attach to something better. He needed a different sort of relationship. And then we read in verse 21 to 25, And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a man, a woman, sorry, from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man, and the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, or woo-man, as I like to say. Uh, for she was taken out of man. That's how you're supposed to say it, by the way, woo-man. Um, never mind. In Hebrew, it's woo-man, rather than woman. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they should become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So having made Adam, having commented that loneliness, to be alone, is a mistake, God then shows that there are some appropriate connections and relationships you could have, but they're not appropriate. And then God makes for him what he needs, a woman, or a woo-man. Andrew laughs when I say, by the way, whenever I say woo-man, Andrew laughs, because he's not here. So you need to laugh when I say things that Andrew laughs at. Never mind, I'll give you a list. But it shows us in Genesis that the relationships with each other are far more important than perhaps the 21st century society realises. We think our phones are an alternative, but they're not. We think our pets or our hobbies are an alternative, but they're not. Proper, healthy relationships with other human beings are wonderful and God-intended and make us healthy. That's why family matters. That's why the Bible has such a high view of marriage between a man and a woman. Because in marriage, God has built society from the bottom up. And children born into healthy marriages make healthy adults. Because those human relationships matter. So what else does the Bible say? Well, just two things. The Bible tells us that we should attach to other human beings, of course. And the Bible speaks very clearly about church. In Colossians, not Colossians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we get this wonderful Uh, description of the church described as the body of Christ and it describes it as the body of Christ in the most wonderful way saying that everyone in God's church is different 
Like, the, like you have a hand and a foot. Not everything can be a hand, not everything can be a foot. If the hands just say to the foot, I, I don't need you, where would the walking be? Where would the sense of smell be if you say, I don't need your nose? Everybody in the kingdom of God, everyone in the church, has value and a place in God's family. The Bible teaches us that we need to attach to each other, that the local church is the hope of the world, as one Christian author put it. The Bible teaches us that this, what we do on a Sunday morning, is more than just what we do on a Sunday morning. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to attach to each other. That's why when you go through the New Testament, people like Paul the Apostle say over and over and over again, get on with each other, love each other, forgive each other. Don't go to bed angry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Paul says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. And then he says in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone and there's this teaching in the new testament this isn't just a club this is a family and we are supposed to be the attachments for each other that we don't get in the world i grew up without a a dad around and i'll tell you what it was the local church that helped me so much a guy called neil paul who i've mentioned any and jane know him who i've mentioned many times from the front um became like a surrogate father briefly as I attended their youth group on a Saturday evening. And I remember one time he went away for a weekend away and he put his arm around me and he said to me, if I ever had a son, I want him to be like you. I know I've said that story hundreds of times, but it meant something to me. I got to attach to a father figure because my own dad still doesn't want to attach to me. But thanks be to God that his body had a place for Gary Henson. I'm only a little toe (laughs) in that body. Yet there's value and I get to be special and loved. And that's why church matters. The Bible tells us that we must not give up meeting together like some are in the habit of doing. Because we become for each other those relationships we don't often get when we're younger. And I really encourage every single one of us to practice forgiveness and grace and vulnerability. If you're broken this morning... Don't be ashamed to say to someone that you trust, I feel broken, burst into tears. It's okay, if you can't cry at church, what's the point of coming, actually? I always, I love a good cry. <laughs> um, anyway. But the second thing the Bible says is that we need, to, we need one more attachment that is far more important. That we need to attach to God. We need a healthy relationship with the King of Kings. It's interesting that when God the Father is described in the book of Romans, he's called Abba Father, which is an intimate term for dad, for father. We get to attach to the Almighty himself. We're called children of God, not not just servants or followers, but children of God. We get to be in God's family. We get to attach. What saved me wasn't just Neil Paul when I was 11 and 12 years old. It was knowing that God was my dad. And I tell you what, it doesn't matter how you get let down with your earthly father then, because he's never let me down. He made a whole universe for me to enjoy, and he's preparing a a place for me when I die. So it doesn't matter how how many other relationships let me down, because God never... My father in heaven, my dad in heaven, has never let me down, never will. God the Son, our Saviour, in Isaiah 9, Isaiah 7, sorry, is described as Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
This whole idea that God is getting closer to us so that we can draw close to him. And then in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 18, God the Holy Spirit says this. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. But that verse where he says, I'll leave you another advocate in Greek is the word comforter. And salvation, as it's presented in the New Testament, isn't just dealing with your sin and having forgiveness so you can go to heaven. It's actually a picture of spiritual reattachment. That God the Father comes to be for us what we so often can't have with other human beings. God the Son is God with us. And God the Holy Spirit is our comforter on the inside. He is for us the most wonderful relationship that you could ever have as a human being. And it is so often the most missing relationship for every human being. I know someone I was speaking to yesterday seemingly has a very confident, happy life, but is miserable, depressed, very down, because she has all the attachments she needs, but one. She doesn't know her saviour, doesn't know her king, doesn't know her God, doesn't know how much God loves her. And there is nothing better than that relationship. And so... I have no grand conclusion to finish on, (laughs) except to say that we need to be people that do two things, I think. We need to be people that listen and love and allow everybody into our lives so that they get to attach to us, even if it's inconvenient, that for each other we are genuinely brother and sister all the time. And we must preach the gospel. We must tell people about Jesus Christ because without him we are just human beings looking after human beings as good as that is it is limited this world desperately needs to know its savior it needs to know that Easter God sent his son and three days later he rose again so that we could know God as our father in heaven there is no greater relationship and if we keep that news to ourselves shame on us when someone says to you or me I'm so fed up I'm so depressed and we don't say to them please let me tell you about the hope I have shame on us It's like having a parachute on an aeroplane and not telling anyone where they're kept. Can you imagine doing that? How many people are broken because they've not attached to their God? This week, ask God for an opportunity and be brave and take it because this is what our world needs to hear more than anything else. Keep praying. Father God, we just lift up all these words to you now. Lord, Father, we thank you for your love. And Lord, it is divine as we're about to sing. Lord, your love is wonderful. Lord, as Roger said in our time of open prayer, you're not this angry, impatient God tapping his foot. Lord, you're one who loved the world so much, you gave your most precious gift, your only son. The Lord, he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, pay the price for our sin, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ died for us. Lord, we are people, Lord, who are lost without you. But Lord, may we be for each other those healthy relationships that so many of us never had when we were young. But Lord, may we point our world broken and broken and broken to a God that loved it so much, even before it was made, that he'd already decided to send his son. And Lord, that's you, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for this morning, in Jesus' name.